Hello and welcome back to another episode of the CG Business Advisor podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed all our prior episodes. If you missed any of them, well, it's simple. Go back and listen to them. What are you waiting for? (laughs) You can follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And for more information about CG Tax Audit and Advisory, well, it's simple. Head to cgteam.com. Joining us today on this episode is Christine Mattis, a top special needs lawyer in New Jersey. At the Mattis Law Group, Christine and her dedicated team of professionals and special needs attorneys focus on providing exceptional legal advice in the areas of special needs planning, elder law, real estate law, and estate law. Special needs trusts are powerful estate planning tools for many families, and Christine creates these special needs trusts in order to keep assets private and protect the needs of clients and their loved ones. Christine, thanks so much for joining us here on the CG Business Advisor. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you. Let's talk about special needs trusts. Why are they so important in future planning? So there's a number of reasons why you should consider this. And basically, it's a tool and it could do a number of things. So in special needs planning, one of the main objectives when we have this type of tool is number one, protecting benefits for our loved ones. A lot of people who are special needs, who are disabled, different needs. There's many ways to uh, use the category, the word. So I always try to be all inclusive. Uh, A lot of them are on what they call means tested benefits. And those are benefits that you can only get when you have a certain amount of assets. And most likely right now, they're very low. Typically, you can only have, and again, this is just a generalization. There's a little bit of exceptions here and there. No more than $2,000 worth of assets in your name. It's so low and it's so hard to get these benefits, Scott. So what we do is that we create these tools so that you don't get disqualified, you don't ruin your eligibility, and you can still experience a better lifestyle. For example, if you were to receive an inheritance, if it's more than $2,000 without this type of planning tool, you're gonna lose benefits. So we create a tool to make sure you have the best of both worlds, benefits and inheritance or other types of assets. So it's really good for planning and just to elevate and enhance their lifestyle. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, So how does this work? How does the special needs trust work? So again, you know, a trust is a tool. So think of it as a box and whatever I put in that box, I can do a lot of things with it. So in this situation, and I'll give you a little bit background. So I have two children, Emma's 14, Juliana is 12 and Juliana was born with Down syndrome. So as a result, that's why I dedicated a large portion of my practice to helping families like myself. And so when we discovered that Juliana has this condition, we really want to think about how can we protect her? So we found out about this tool called a trust and a trust could be created And you typically really should go to a firm that does a lot of these. You don't want to go to a firm that does maybe one or two a year. You want Mm -hmm. to make sure they're doing hundreds of them because it's very complicated, Scott. There's a lot of rules. And sometimes the wrong phrasing in that trust can really ruin everything. So you would go to a law firm like ourselves, and we would create paperwork that would now create the trust. 
And in that trust, we can say what's going in it. It could be assets, it could be property. And what will happen is that we have to update the name of those assets to put something in it. So in my example, we have the supplemental needs trust of Juliana. That's my daughter. When you have this type of trust, then say I have life insurance. If she's my beneficiary, I cannot have her name as a beneficiary. I can't have Juliana. I have to have the supplemental needs trust, uh -huh. Juliana. So that's how you fund a trust. And really by creating it, it's paperwork, but it has a lot of important lingo to make sure we don't disqualify our loved one from benefits. That makes a lot of sense. Are there different kinds of trusts? Yeah, believe it or not, there are three kinds of trust. There's something called a third-party trust, something called a first-party trust, and there's something also as a pooled trust. So the most popular kinds that we help families with and that I have for myself, for my daughter, it's called the third-party trust. They have it called third-party. Why? Because you look at where are the funds coming from? They're coming from another source, not from our loved one. It's not Juliana's money. It's coming from a third party. And typically, myself and uh -huh. my husband. So that's one. The good thing about that type of trust, Scott, is that there's no payback. It's very, very important. What do you mean payback? Well, a lot of these trusts have a clause that God forbid our loved one dies and there's money left in the box, money left in that trust. Well, the state can take it. They take the balance. But in a third-party trust, they cannot. There is no third-party clause. And it's very, very important because there's many times we're reviewing trusts that have been made from other sources. I'm not sure where, um, but we'll see this clause in there and we know it's a third party. We're like, why is that in here? Let's take that out. <laughs> you don't need to have the government involved. Mm. There's also a trust called the first party trust. And that's when the money is already our loved one, like Juliana, like God forbid she was in a car accident and she has pain and suffering and she gets an award. Well, if that award is more than $2 million, we're going to lose our benefits. So what do we do? Come to us. We build that tool. We build that trust. But here's where the difference is, Scott. It does have a payback. Why? Well, they're saying because it's her money and those are just the rules. So if God forbid something happens to that loved one with a first party trust, the balance typically goes to the government. It's just the rules. and It's that kind. For example, child support. That's also a first party trust, right? We have a lot of clients. Unfortunately, you know, if their parents are going through a divorce, but child support is going to be awarded, again, if it's going to amount to more than $2,000, we're going to have a problem. So we got to create that tool. The third type of special needs trust is called a pooled trust. And these are a type of trust where there are a number of accounts that are in one account. And we typically see that when we don't have large numbers, right? If it's numbers um, that are pretty low that we want to give our loved one, it's still more than 2000 but really nothing significant enough sometimes it's a little bit too complicated or it could be costly to have someone manage it for you for, for such a small amount of money. So we go to organizations, typically they're nonprofits, and they'll say, hey, we'll help. We'll manage the funds. They're put in one big account, but we'll still know what was your account for your loved one. But again, the rub is, God forbid our loved one passes away. Whatever's left in that account stays with that nonprofit, right? We can't designate the balance to go to whoever. In my situation that we created for my daughter, the third party, 
if God forbid something happens to my daughter, um, to my daughter, and there's money left in that trust, I can designate the balance to go to my other daughter or to a mm. charity or to whoever. So that's really the luxury. If you can build that trust while you're alive now, I really, really highly recommend it because then we avoid the payback. Yeah. That's really important. That's fantastic. Uh, so what can you use the special needs trust for? Can you use it for medical benefits or, or any other services? Yes, and that's a great question. That's probably one of the most popular and complicated questions and answers that we get. Depending on the type of trust, and depending on the type of benefits our loved one receives, it really determines what you can use the money for. Overall, the money has to be for the benefit of our loved one. We can't be using the money to go on vacations with a whole lot of people. We can use it for our loved one and maybe pay for one other person to go with them. There was a case law where someone was using the trust money to go on vacation plus bringing eight other people. <laughs> no, they didn't like that. So that was a problem. And what happens? They want you to pay it back. They were threatening you're going to lose benefits. So you have to be careful. The other thing is that if our loved one is receiving SSI, right? That mm -hmm. is supplemental security income. That's being used towards food and shelter. That's just the rule of thumb. So if we have a trust, we can't use it for food and shelter. They'll think you're double dipping. And there's things that you can do to, you know, help our clients if that's the situation, but they have to be well aware of typically it's a no-no. And there are, I hate to use the word penalties, but there are consequences if we do it. Sometimes they're okay. You know, I've had clients where we do it and the consequences aren't that bad. Everybody is different. Everything is a case by case nature, but you can use it for vacations. You can use it to buy your iPad, your computers, buy a car, buy a house. So there's quite a number of things you can buy it with, but you just have to be well-versed in what kind of benefits you have and what kind of trust you have. You mentioned earlier about uh, inheritance, um, but as far as estate planning goes, how do you incorporate the special needs trust? If you could just elaborate on that. Sure. So when we help uh, clients build for the future, we're like creating an estate plan. So an estate plan usually consists of what happens when we die. So when we die, we would like to know where do our assets go? And you can designate people, but it's very important that we don't use the name of our child in our estate planning. We have to use the trust name, yeah. right? Because if we use their name solely, it causes confusion. It causes issues. Um, and again, there's always a solution to everything, but sometimes it's expensive to fix. Sometimes it's, you know, stressful to fix. So we've always said to clients, if you're going to get an estate plan done, I mean, sometimes Scott, it's so interesting. We'll get calls from people say, I just want the trust. I don't want anything else. I said, no, but we got to do the whole thing. We, I wish I could say, I, I just want mm -hmm. the brakes. I don't need the tires and I don't need the car. I said, no, you, you need the whole thing. <laughs> so, um, but it's part of the plan. So you can place it in documents like a will, um, or other trusts that, but whenever there's a reference to our loved one, you want to make sure you have the full name of the trust in there. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, do the parameters vary from state to state? Slightly, they do. But for the most part, they all carry the same um, rules of what we need to be doing, what the purpose of the trust is for. So it's very important that, you know, if you're in New Jersey and you're moving to another state, and we've had this quite a number of times, we love to connect our clients to the attorneys that we know in each state. And we have a very, very good network of attorneys that we work with. 
you know, special needs planning is not that big of an arena of attorneys. It's a very specialized area. So we practically know of each other and can find each other pretty quickly. So we typically will make the connection. So for example, we had a client moving to Texas. So we made a connection with a firm in Texas. We wanted them to take a look at the trust that we made in Jersey. They said there was a few tweakings that needed to be made, but overall it was good. So you always want to make sure because um, each state has their own rules of how things are executed, certain phrasing that you need to put in there. Um, so you do need to make sure that when you move, you do you know, meet local counsel who also specializes in this type of uh, law. So how would a supplemental needs trust differ? Okay. To, for, from this. And that is a great question. So it typically describes the type of trust. So supplemental needs trust is typically in reference to the third party trust funds that are coming from another party. And the big reason we're using that word is because the money in the trust is to supplement, is to enhance our loved one's lives. It's not to take place of the benefits. It's not to supplant the benefits. And that's where we need to be very clear. So we'll have benefits, we'll receive money from our governmental benefits. And in addition, we have money in the trust and they should work together and not use one versus the other. That's, that's really it. So like, for example, if I have trust money, I'm not going to be using that for my food or for my rent, knowing I also get SSI money because then they're thinking you're double dipping and they could yeah. fair. They could just say, you know what? You don't need the benefits. You got a great trust here. But knowing some of our loved ones, we're going to run through that trust money like anything. So we need to have both. We need, but when you use the word special needs trust, you're typically referring to the first party trust where the money is already theirs. So how do you set up a special needs trust? What's the first step? So the first step is that, you know, when you contact a firm that you know has done a lot of these, you need to make an appointment, talk to with that firm, and they will ask you questions. The first thing we always want to know is really what's, how is our loved one? We don't know how they're doing. What can they do? I know from my point of view, um, there's lots of benefits that we could apply for. And all the questions are always, what can't they do? And it's very depressing. And it really brings me down, to be quite honest. So I love to start out, well, how are they? How are they doing? And I do want to know what their condition is. And then we find out what kind of benefits. Once I know the type of benefits you have, then we can really find out, is a trust the best tool for your loved ones? Because not only can it be used to protect benefits, but it can also be used to protect our loved one from predators who want to take advantage of them because they may not be able to manage money on their own. And unfortunately, we're in that type of world where people try to look for those who are indefensible and who can be taken advantage of, but the trust can control that situation. Tell us more about the services that you offer at the Mattis Law Group. So here at the Mattis Law Group, not only do we help families that have a loved one who's disabled, but we help really all families who are concerned about protecting their legacy, protecting the future. Um, you may have issues about taxes, and we want to make sure that when you pass away, your loved ones inherit as much as possible. So we love doing what they call estate planning, right? We plan for the unexpected. The other half of our firm is real estate. Quite frankly, they go hand in hand. A lot of our clients who are putting things in their trust, who are giving 
things to their loved ones comprises of real estate. That's probably some of the biggest assets that we have. So it just turned into a whole new department. And I wouldn't say new, but it's a whole department on its own. So we do a lot of buying and selling of residential property, commercial properties as well. So we love to help our families with that. And when we say we help them with estate planning and special needs, it also means probate that when they pass away, we also try to help the families guide them and making sure everything falls into place, that the will is respected or the trust is respected. Um, and we also help clients if they're alive, but maybe unable to do things on their own. And that may be for guardianships, whether it's because they're older or because they do have a disability where they won't be able to do things on their own. But that's really what we do. We love to help our families and especially those uh, that have a special needs individual. Where can our listeners go to get in contact with you or just uh, discuss this further? So the easiest way would probably look into our website, www.mattislaw.com. It has all our info. We have three offices. We have office in Tom's River, Red Bank, and in New York City. So we really would love to see what we can do to help our families. Um, we have a great team here, eight really passionate individuals who really want to focus on our families and just make sure they're taken care of. And even if we may not be able to help, we always lead you in the right direction. I can't thank you enough. This topic, Christine, is great. Uh, the information was fantastic. And uh, I hope uh, the listeners that, you know, uh, this applies to especially got a lot out of it and hopefully we'll be contacting you. Thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the CG Business Advisor podcast. And for more information about CG Tax Audit and Advisory, head to cgteam.com. Thanks again for listening. If you've missed any of our prior episodes, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You should subscribe, like, rate, review, help us grow, and make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. Until next time, this is the CG Business Advisor.